on Sunday Morning Live. I'm your host, Aaron Tomlinson. If you're watching on YouTube or watching by replay, I appreciate it. Hit replay in the comments. Let me know. And uh, today we're going to talk about time and wasting time or what do we do with our time. And uh, I just want to say at the beginning, that's one of those topics that um, I would always get uh, feel condemnation over. I would always feel some shame over, like, uh, because in my mind, from a certain perspective, I would uh, waste a lot of time. And so I want to just say at the very beginning that um, the way we're going to look at this issue and the way I'm going to address it today hopefully will be empowering and life-giving for you, but I can almost guarantee you, um, it'll help you clear up any guilt or shame that you feel about uh, wasting time. So <clears throat> just giving some people some time to jump on, because hopefully this isn't a waste of time uh, to be watching and spending your time with me, either live or, like I said, by replay. Appreciate all of you. Again, I want to give a big shout out and thank you to everyone that's contributed and supported us financially through our PayPal link, which I've been attaching to these videos. Um, that's really going to help me. <clears throat> And help us as ministry transition so that we can do more things and put out more content. I have been working on creating more content, but I've been working on creating content for a Patreon page that I'm going to start. So I haven't been putting up videos on uh, YouTube. I plan on doing that as well, but I'm trying to prioritize. And uh, it takes time. Anybody that's a content creator, they'll tell you they work full time at creating content and putting it out, at least if you want it to be quality content. This is the third um, <clears throat> live video that I've done this week. I do one on Friday nights with Derek Day called Freeology Friday. did one kind of impromptu last night with uh, a group of pastors and <clears throat> just talked about what it's like, um, what our lives are like post-pastoring and all that stuff. So <clears throat> I have been busy doing that stuff. Again, I want to just give a shout-out to everybody that's supporting us. If you can think about supporting us monthly, even if it's just with a $5 gift or a $20 gift, um, that would be a huge help, something we could count on. So anyway, once again, thank you very much to everybody out there who's supported us. Uh, the response has been much greater than I thought, so that's uh, that's encouraging. Okay, so I think I've given people enough time to jump on. Let's talk about time for a minute. Um and I don't want to talk about time from the perspective of physics, or I don't really want to talk about time from the perspective of any kind of philosophical theories. I want to talk about time in a very practical way. And I don't think time would matter to us if uh, death wasn't involved. Uh, death really is the issue that limits our time and makes time so valuable for us. People will say, you know, time is your only... Uh, unrenewable resource. So be careful how you spend it. And so, you know, death is, is kind of the issue. <laughs> it's the elephant in the room, if you will, that, uh, that we don't talk about when we talk about time. And I realize at my age that I, you know, probably have more runway behind me than I have ahead of me in terms of my life. And so, and this is something that happens to people at middle age. Oftentimes time becomes <clears throat> more important. You begin to think about it and it does seem like 
time goes faster as you get older. And I'm going to talk about some ideas as to why I think that is. But let's talk about the psychology of time <clears throat> for a minute. Let's talk about the psychology of time. And here's what I mean by that. Time is something that we record, at least in a linear fashion, is something that's recorded in our minds. We have some sort of present memory about the past. And most people have some kind of present forecasting about their future. It's something that our brain does really literally all the time. And we can't really control it or get around it, nor would we want to, <laughs> nor would we want to. I talked about in my last live video a couple of weeks ago, <clears throat> I didn't do one last week because of uh, Mother's Day. But in the previous live video, I talked about how we are meaning makers and how we live out of these meanings that we make and how deconstruction from religion and deconstruction from Christianity oftentimes causes an existential crisis. And if it doesn't cause an existential crisis, then I don't think you went far enough. If you don't have to question and think about existence or think about your existence or think about some of those deeper issues that religion or Christianity or whatever your belief system, those deeper questions that it was answering for you, the meaning that it was giving to you, the purpose or whatever that it was giving to you for your life. And I don't know, maybe, you know, other people are different, but I had a lot of existential questions when I converted to Christianity. Who am I? Uh, where am I? Why am I here? Why am I me and not you? You ever think about that one, about that question? Why am I me? And not you. Why is, why is, uh, Roger Brown, Roger Brown, and I'm Aaron Tomlinson, or Ben Urban is Ben, and I'm Aaron. Like these kind of philosophical, existential type of questions. I've thought about these things since I was a child. And so, I, I guess maybe not everybody <clears throat> goes that deep with it. But time is also part of an existence. It's part of an existential crisis. Now, how do we think about death if we deconstruct completely from our faith or from Christianity? How do we think about death? Because that's existential. How do we think about, and if we're atheist or we're strictly materialist and we think that this is all there is and I'm okay with that and I'm good with that, then time and existence are absolutely intertwined, uh, virtually inseparable. So if we don't know what goes on after death or we don't have a what uh, Bernardo Castro calls a convenient fiction, in other words, a story that we tell ourselves that we really believe, a meaning that we give ourselves, that we have confidence in and that we believe in about the afterlife, then for sure time and existence are equated. So these existential questions that I've had to wrestle with definitely involve what we do with our time, or at least what I do with my time, right? And so I'm still very interested in the questions of, you know, what is the nature of the universe? What is, who who are we? What are we as human beings? I don't think we've even really begun to answer that question very well. And I don't even know how we do that, but I like to have that conversation. I like to have that dialogue. And so 
I'm saying all this to say that there's a psychological aspect to time that is connected to existential questions or that is connected to our existence. And it's part of our meaning making. It's uh, I wouldn't be able to understand who I was at all if I had no ability to form a memory of who I am. Um, if I wasn't able to have some kind of a story, uh, even as I'm talking about deconstruction and, and that kind of thing, see, all of that is dependent upon the past. All of that is dependent at least on the present memory that I have of the past. And then how I'm forecasting the future, how I'm thinking about the future. Do I have hopes and dreams or do I just have uh, dread and worry or do I just have um, Bill Murray's, you know, that old movie with Bill Murray, Groundhog Day. You, you know you're getting old. Talk about time. Talk about existential crisis. I had an existential crisis the other day watching, uh, um, pulling up uh, Turner Classic Movies, TCM, and seeing all these movies from the 90s, not even from my childhood, not even from the 80s, but these like mid to late 90s movies now that are considered classical movies. So I suppose uh, Groundhog Day would, would fit into that category. So that classic movie Groundhog Day where, if you haven't seen it, the character Bill Murray uh, gets stuck in a loop of time where he keeps waking up to the same day every day, and it's Groundhog Day, and he's trying to figure out how to get out of that time loop. But I think it also speaks to the reality that we get into such patterns, we get into such loops that every day becomes the same. And I'm going to come back and talk about that in a minute because I think that's key to this issue. So the memory of our past, our awareness of the present moment, and our projection of the future is what I'm talking about when I'm talking about psychological time and how we do time in our minds. And you might think that everybody does time the same way. I remember taking uh, my first NLP training, uh, neurolinguistic programming training in 2007, I think. Pretty sure it was 2007. And, learning about timelines and learning about how people organize time in their minds differently and how, based on how we organize time in our minds, determines our relationship to time and determines a lot of our behaviors. One of the primary differences or ways that people experience time Notice that when I'm talking about time right now, I've got my hands in front of me like this. So if you were to ask me where does the timeline run for me right now, I would say it's running from left to right. The past is over here, the present is here, and the future is here. That's perceptually how I'm thinking about time right now. Now, there are other times or there are other people who, if I were to ask you, point to where you see your future, they would point straight ahead, or they might point up and off to the right. Their timeline might be going this way in terms of their perception. Or more often than not, it's either out here in a linear fashion this way, or it's going through you. So my past is back here. So we talk about putting the past behind us and marching into our future, right? But what's really fascinating is when you're thinking about time in this way, you're more conscious of time. So you're going to be a person who is on time. You're going to usually be early to events. You're going to be on time. You're going to be aware of time. You're not going to be want to be wasting your time. And you're going to end on time. In other words, it'll probably be easier for me to keep this to about an hour 
because I'm thinking about time in this way right now, and the way I know that is because of the way I'm gesturing my hands. Now, for people who step into their timeline and it's this way, and they're organizing time, past, present, future, they tend to be more lost in the moment, uh, tend to go more with the flow. Issues of time aren't as important. Being on time isn't as important. Ending on time isn't as important. Can get lost in a conversation and think three hours have gone by and it feels like it's only been 30 minutes or whatever. And you're like, wow, I can't believe that's been three hours. You're organizing time in that way. And there are many different ways that our mind organizes and relates to time. And I don't want to get too deep with it. And I don't want to lose you with stuff with it. I just want you to realize that there is a mental construct. So we can talk about time as time exists in physics and in the physical world. But I'm talking about time as a mental construct. And then what do we do with our time as it relates to these existential issues that I was talking about last week? So hopefully everybody is uh, <laughs> is following me with this, and hopefully this is interesting and not boring yet. Now, this is where I want to disarm the, as I talked about in the beginning, I said, you know, when I hear about don't waste your time or wasting time, I would oftentimes feel a lot of guilt or feel a lot of shame about that. Think about, oh, man, I've wasted so much time on X or Y or Z. So let's talk about what is wasting time anyway? What is wasting time anyway? And the answer for each person is going to be very different based upon their value system. And one of the things that we get to do when we deconstruct and that we can do when we think about these existential type of issues, is we can begin to define for ourselves our value system without feeling the pressure to take our value system and conform it to the value system of the world that is around us. So here's what I mean. I follow uh, a number of uh, entrepreneurs, financial type people, not necessarily financial advisors in the traditional sense, but on Twitter, uh, I have a Twitter account, but it's a burner account. I don't use it. I don't post. I don't comment. I hate Twitter. I think Twitter's savage, but it is a great place to get sports <laughs> news and to follow some interesting stuff. So I, I follow these guys. So don't ask me for my Twitter account because I'm not going to give it out um, just because I never use it. I just use it for information gathering. But I follow these guys and they talk about, um, you know, how to be an entrepreneur, how, how to be wealthy, how to be productive. So from very much a commercial capitalist standpoint, if someone is talking about don't waste your time, because that's usually something that they, that they throw in there. Don't waste your time. Time is money. Don't waste your time. So from a capitalist perspective, from maybe a Western American or a materialist perspective, and by materialist, I don't mean in the physical sense or physics sense. I mean in the, huh, I'm all about making money sense. Then wasting time, if, if you're 
being productive with your time, then you are producing something. You're either producing content, you're producing a uh, skill or a service, you're producing for your employer, or if you're self-employed or have your own business, you're producing for your customers. So using your time wisely to produce material substance. Oftentimes when people are talking about don't waste your time, they're wanting you to buy into that belief system. They're wanting you to buy into that value system that time that is given to productivity is time that is not wasted and if you're not being productive, then you're wasting time. And then there's this guilt and shame kind of thing that goes with it. But now let's look at that from another perspective. I have two children. Um, I've shared very openly about the struggle that my wife and I had to have children. And so while everyone values their children, uh, I value my children a lot because we weren't sure we would ever be able to have them. So that just gives me another layer of meaning that some people don't have in terms of valuing children. Now, they're becoming young men. They're they're hitting that pre-adolescent stage where voices are changing and that boyish, those, those boys, Anybody that's raised kids <laughs> has gotten to this stage knows what I'm talking about. Those boys are gone. I'm looking at young men now. Well, I did spend a lot of my time away from home uh, when they were younger. I spend a lot of my time being productive. I spend a lot of my time doing ministry. And so from a different shift and a different perspective, I could look at that and say, yeah, I produced something. (laughs) I provided for my family. I'm still providing for my family, and that's important. But I wasted so much time at work. I wasted so much time on stuff that maybe didn't matter, didn't make a difference, and I didn't spend enough time with them. So from one perspective, I could say, well, if I'm not at work and really producing and, you know, creating wealth or or being productive with my service or my efforts or however it is that I'm paid, then I'm wasting time. Or I could say, I'm wasting so much time and energy on money that I'm missing out on Relationships, right? I wish I would have spent more time over here. So I hope that helps you understand that everybody's definition of wasted time is going to be different. So, I mean, how do we waste time? Do we waste time by watching YouTube? Is this a waste of time for somebody? Could be. Do we waste time on social media? Do we waste time watching television. See, these are all culturally embedded beliefs because I imagine 
as I'm laying this out, do we waste time on social media? Do we waste time on YouTube? Do we waste time watching television? I imagine some of you are maybe nodding your head a little bit or at least getting triggered a little bit and thinking, yeah, I waste too much time on social media. Yeah, I waste too much time watching Netflix series or whatever. Or I waste too much time, whatever, fill in the blank. But how is that wasting time? That's really, that's, that's placing a judgment on what you do with your time. Placing a judgment on what you do with your time that more than likely has been internalized because it was someone else's judgment that's part of this hive mind, that's part of this groupthink mind that is trying to get you to do what the group mind or hive mind wants you to do anyway. <laughs> Trying to get you, if I could quote the Apostle Paul, to be conformed to the pattern of this world, right? So there's sort of this group shaming if you spend too much time scrolling, if you spend too much time watching television, if you spend too much time whatever. Those are just the ones that I can think of. So this is where I said I want to disarm a lot of the guilt and the shame, like, 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 those are just value judgments that we place on how we spend our time. Because at the end of the day, it's impossible to waste time. But time isn't something you can just take and throw in a garbage can. Time isn't something you can just take and and um, leave it out to spoil like you can food or something that you can buy up like clothes. I know people that have this buying shopping addiction and they buy clothes and they buy things and then they just put them in a storage unit and they never open them. Just that that dopamine hit from <laughs> closing the, the, the deal, making the sale or whatever for them is all they need, you know. And so is that a waste, you know, but you could see time, time isn't a thing like that. Time isn't. So it's not that we waste time. It's how we put value judgments on how we spend our time. And then we have to ask our question, ask ourselves the question, where do those value judgments come from? And more often than not, they come somewhere from society. They come somewhere from the group think, somewhere from the hive mind, trying to get us to operate, to march according to their beats, to conform to their, to stay in step with whatever they want for us, right? See what I'm saying? So part of this deconstruction stuff is being able to step back and decide for yourself how, where your values are, what's really important to you, and then aligning your activities with your values. Now, let's come back again to something I said last week or two weeks ago. I keep forgetting I didn't do one last week. Let, let's come back to how a little bit about how memory works. And why do people feel like they're stuck in Groundhog Day? Or why does it seem like the last 10 years flew by? I'm going to give you a metaphor for memory, how I think about it, or an analogy. I think an analogy is probably more accurate. I want you to think about um, a guy in a doing filing in a big office space. And 
the brain is sending in all these reports, all this information, and this guy has to sort through the information and decide what to do with it. This is kind of how the brain relates to sensory input and activities that are going on in our lives. So there's a big pile. The vast majority of what comes in goes into the shred pile in the brain. I'm going to say that again. The vast majority of what comes in in terms of our day-to-day activities and what we will remember, what will get stored in the brain and what won't get stored in the brain doesn't get stored in the brain. It's like uh, reports that are coming in that immediately go into the shredder. It comes in shred, 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 shred. This is the stuff that's basically routine and habitual and meaningless to us in our lives. So, for example, if you were to ask me, Aaron, what did you wear on Saturday night three weeks ago, and what did you have for dinner? I'm not going to remember. If you ask me, Aaron, uh, what did you do on May 20th, 2016, or May 21st, 2016, I have no idea. No idea at all. Can't even fathom it, much less what I had for dinner or what I wore or any of that kind of stuff, right? So that's kind of mundane activities, like I don't have access or at least not easy access to that kind of stuff in my brain. So as that information comes in, it goes to the shredder, shred, 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 eating lunch, shred, picking out clothes, shred, brushing your teeth, shred. Uh, what color was my toothbrush when I was uh, 15? I have no idea. You know, shred, shred, daily activities, mundane, routine things. Now, if something meaningful happens, like if you were to ask me, what happened on your 40th birthday? Well, I remember that very well. It was... uh One of the few, I think, surprise parties that I ever had over at my sister's house. And she had set up uh, uh, one of those outdoor drive-in movie theater things. And, you know, it was, and all my friends were there. Lots of people from the church were there. It was a really great time. So, and I had other birthdays that I can remember and think of that were a lot of fun. And so that goes into the birthday File. I can think about other people's birthdays that I was at that was very enjoyable and that were very meaningful to me. And so that goes into the file called birthdays or celebrations or get-togethers. And I have pretty easy access to that stuff in my memory. Anniversaries. Um, definitely, you know, we adopted, so not the birth of my child, but the adoption of my children. Remember that very vividly, very powerfully, because those were very meaningful events. So it's only when something comes in, it's only when an experience comes in that can be stamped meaningful that we can find a place for it in the file cabinet, if that makes sense. And this is how trauma works, too, because trauma is a meaningful experience that works the other way. Trauma is when something really bad happens. Uh, perhaps something life-threatening, threatening to our body or to our limbs, something that's very emotionally injurious. There's a lot of heavy negative emotional significance that comes in. And the interesting thing about trauma, to use this same analogy, is the guy in the back looks at the papers and it's like flipping and, you know, 
I don't know what to do with this. I don't have a file for this. So it kind of just gets spilled out on the floor, if you will, which is why people have nightmares, which is why people have flashbacks, which is why people have anxiety, because you could think about it like that memory is just kind of banging around in the head and it doesn't have any place to get filed. So the person just keeps re-experiencing it and re-experiencing it. Anytime there's something that's simil- similar to that experience, it becomes a trigger and they re-experience the feelings and the thoughts and the pain of that time, of that time and that trauma, right? And there are ways in therapy, psychotherapy, to help the guy in the back find where to file that and kind of suck the emotion and some of the negative meaning out of that. So you can file it more as a historical memory and less as an emotional memory, but that's a topic for another time. I'm just trying to make the point that what gets stored in our memories is what has emotional significance and meaning. So if we're going to talk about not wasting time, then at least if we, when we look at it from this psychological perspective, not wasting time or having a life that has been enriched, having a life that has been satisfying requires that we have enough meaningful experiences that our brain is spending more of its energy filing memories that have meaning and significance to us rather than shredding events that have no meaning or no significance to us. So if you want to talk about wasting time as a thing, we can talk about wasting time from a psychological and a mental perspective because if we are just living our lives with mundane things going on all the time, then all the time and experiences that are coming in, in that sense, then they are going into the shredder and they aren't getting recorded into our memory banks, which is why we can sit back and say, where'd the last 10 years go? And I'd be willing to bet that if you took your life and you looked at it in blocks of time, the times that when time didn't seem to go fast, perhaps was when you had more activity, particularly if you had more sort of difficult activity that you were striving towards. I'll come back to that. Because sometimes we say, boy, time flies when you're having fun. But usually what we mean by that was I went and had a vacation or I went and spent time with a friend and it went so fast, it was meaningful, so I remember it. And the reason we think it went fast is because we go immediately back to our mundane lives where we don't have uh, memories being built or being stored because we're not doing anything of meaning or significance. So, uh, so the decade maybe from your 40s to your 50s goes faster, especially if you had kids in your 30s or late 20s or early 20s, then it's very possible that 40 to 50 is going to fly by because what are you, what are you moving towards? See, life is structured for you to level up until you're about 25 years old. I, I saw a study on this just this last week. Um, that, you know, we, we go to preschool, we go to kindergarten, and then we go all the way through to 12th grade. And each time we go through a school year, we level up to the next school year and we're presented with more challenging information. And so there are structured, very, very structured experiences for us that are challenging us, that are uh, causing our growth. 
and also giving us milestones so that when you're in school, you've got the present. Remember, I said you have the present memory of the past. You can see that I've shifted now from time being out here to time being in here. <laughs> but you can probably feel the intensity of what I'm saying picking up as well. Um, Because I did this. I reached back to the past instead of it being over here. See, see how we do? See how slippery that is? But anyway, when you're in, when you're in school, you have, uh, your brain has the memory of the past, the last grade you were in, the present moment, the things that you're striving and working towards, and it's able to project a future pretty easily and say next year I'll be in, uh, you know, so for example, one of my sons is completing elementary school. Ne- next year he's going to be in middle school. So he kind of knows, you know, and his brother's in middle school right now. So easy to project that. But challenges and growth each step of the way and pretty consistent sort of timeline there. And then after your senior year in high school, usually there's something, I'm going to get a job, I'm going to join the military, I'm going to go to a trade school, I'm going to go to college, uh, I'm going to get married, whatever it is, there's, there's another milestone that's out there. And then once you get out of your trade school or once you get out of college or once you get the entry-level job, there's the milestone of entering my career or getting this good-paying job. But somewhere in the mid-20s, let's say, for a lot of people, you've you've done all that. You've, you've gotten all the education that you're going to get in your life. You've started your job. Maybe you own your own home. Probably not now because of the way – Economically, things are for us, but you get, maybe you have a home, you're out on your own, maybe you're married, and maybe you have a child. And so now, and this is why people end up living vicariously through their children. Some people peak at high school or some people peak at college. Those are their peak experiences. And they get stuck there. You ever know anybody like that? Maybe this is you yourself. Hey, this is going to help you. If this is you, I'm not, I'm not pointing my finger at you and condemning you. But have you ever known somebody that peaked at high school? Like they were the quarterback or they were the homecoming queen or they were, that was just their best time because that's when they felt the most secure socially. They had their best friends. They had their, they, they think back to these meaningful peak experiences. And then once they hit, you know, get out of high school or hit 25 or whatever, they can't think that there, there's nothing out there for them that gives them that same sense of significance. So they peaked then, right? So oftentimes what happens is, is then I start trying to live through my child. I don't have the structure. I don't have the track that the school system gave me or that growing up gave me to know what to do with my time, to know where the, where the next mile marker was, where the next uh, accomplishment was, right? And so I start to live vicariously through my children. I start to invest myself a lot in their academic school careers or their athletic school careers. And so a lot of parents put pressure on their children that maybe isn't necessary for them, right? And they start living life that way because the rest of their life basically kind of (laughs) sucks. So then the next decade goes fast because you just get out and go to the same job, drive the same way to work, 
maybe take a vacation once in a while. And some people get so stuck that they do the same things. In other words, go to restaurants and eat the same meals, make the same menus for dinner every week, go to the same places for vacation, go to the same exact places for weekend getaways, and they do it year after year after year after year. Now, if all of that is meaningful and you have these big files of, you know, vacation to Disney every year because we love Walt Disney, great, that works for you. But if you feel stuck in Groundhog Day, if you feel like time is flying by, if you feel unsatisfied in your life, then look at those things. Look at how much you stay in your lane. Look at how much how much of that is related to anxiety. There are a lot of people that have anxiety disorders and don't know they have anxiety disorders because they don't ever experience anxiety because the moment they start to move out of the predictable, the moment they start to move out of that which is certain, the anxious feelings rise up and they're like, no, I don't want to do that. And so they just stay in their patterns of certainty and stay in their lane and stay doing the same things over again, not realizing that they're actually only doing that because they have an anxiety disorder, because probably something traumatic or something happened to them in their lives or who knows how they got there. But the unknown is scary. Uh, striving for success is scary. I'm afraid of success. I'm afraid of failure. I'm afraid of whatever, I have social anxiety, and so I just have to stay in my lane, <laughs> right? And so there can be symptoms of anxiety that you have, an anxiety disorder, and I'm speaking as a professional here, you can have symptoms of an anxiety disorder and never really experience the feelings of anxiety because you've so managed your life that you've kept yourself completely free of situations that would cause anxiety because you have such a need for certainty. But that need for certainty is born out of unresolved issues from the past and anxiety. But anyway, moving on from that. So here's what I'm trying to say. If we want to stop wasting our time, if we want to make the most of our time, then we have to really dig in and say, what is going to, what can I do? How can I take responsibility for my life? How can I push against the values and mores of my society about what I do with my time so that I am not just walking under the pressure of someone else's internalized value, but I've really dug in and discovered what is it that I value? What is it that gives meaning? What is it that makes meaning and is meaningful for me in my life? And then I take responsibility for myself. I take responsibility for my actions. And I begin to structure a life. I begin to plan a life. I begin to put in a plan that will allow me to begin to create, to begin to collect as many meaningful experiences for myself as I possibly can so that I can store that in my memory bank. Then I'm not going to feel like I'm wasting my time because it's going to be enriched. I'm going to have an enriched memory with that I bring with me into my present experience and then out of that enriched memory that I bring into the present experience, the present is going to be more enriched. And when the present is more enriched, then I can file that and have a more enriched past. So I'm creating a better future for myself. 
But that also requires, listen, a lot of people, like I said, they peak in high school or they peak in college and they don't really grow much after that. Because you're almost forced to grow through experience. You're almost forced, maybe for you, Colt, setting yourself up for something. Maybe that's learning to play a musical instrument. Or maybe that's learning a foreign language. Or maybe that's just, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read through the classics. I'm gonna take more time to read. It's gotta be something that's meaningful for you, but also something that presents a bit of a challenge. And, and begin to give some time to that. Maybe it's learning skills that will make you more valuable, valuable in your chosen career. And if you're in a field, listen, if you're a younger person, if you're a younger person, 50 or younger, (laughs) and you are just doing a job for a paycheck, why are you doing that? Well, I get it, it's to pay your bills, but are you doing something that will connect you to what you're really suited for? to what you're really good and gifted at, to what you're really going to enjoy. Because believe me, if you're just working for a paycheck right now, and you're in your 20s or you're in your 30s, you're just working for a paycheck right now, you can do that for a while. But pretty soon, you're going to become resentful because it's just going to become Groundhog Day. And you're going to look back. You're going to look back at time with your kids. You're going to look back at time with whatever, and you're going to say, Why did I give so much damn time to that factory or to that job or to that corporation or as being CEO of that corporation, wherever you're at, right? Like, if you're not enjoying it, if it's not meaningful for you, if you're not creating good memories out of that, then invariably you're going to get to my age and you're going to look back and you're going to say, I wasted my time on that damn stuff. And there's going to be a level of resentment that you're going to bring with you into your present moment. And that's going to make it a lot more difficult. So I'm I'm going to challenge you to take responsibility for yourself. Find out what you're good at. Find out what uh, your where your passions are. And then start doing something to move yourself in that direction. Maybe, you know, whatever that may be, reading books, finding somebody that's doing it, going back to a community college, going back and getting a higher level Education. I don't know. I don't think education is always the answer, and it's really expensive. But that's what I did, so that's what I can relate to. And I'm so glad that I did that. I went back and got a bachelor's degree. I already had one, but I went back and got another bachelor's degree and a master's degree. And I didn't start that until I was like 35 or 36. So there's still time, you know, to, to do that. And then if you're older, if you're an older person, if you're like me, and you got less runway ahead of you and more runway behind you, then think about what can I do in my life that I can structure meaning, that I can build and plan meaning into my life. And that's why I said this whole thing with wasting time comes back to the existential issues. (laughs) What gives your life meaning? What is the purpose of your existence? Who are you? What are you? Why are you here? And where are you going? And until you can deeply answer those questions and not let those questions be answered for you from some external voice outside of you, but really do the work around those questions, 
and answer those questions for yourself and find out what the meaning is for yourself and have the courage that if you discover that there's something that's really important to you that gives your life meaning that is completely contrary to what you've been told by the value judgments of the hive mind that is around you, then have the courage to break off of that and believe in yourself enough, believe in yourself enough, value yourself enough, love yourself enough to say, I'm going to live my values by structuring my life around those values so that I use as much of my time to create as many lasting and meaningful memories based on what gives me meaning and based on what gives me satisfaction and pleasure and value. So that you can keep that guy, to go back to my analogy at the beginning, you can keep that guy in the back with all these experiences coming in. You can keep him busy filing stuff instead of keeping him busy shredding stuff. So that's my take on this. (laughs) So I hope that this has been helpful for you. Um, I hope that this has been encouraging and motivating to you and uh once again if if what we're doing is um touching your life impacting your life improving your life and you would like to see us be able to do more of that you would like to support us um i've got a paypal link in the bottom again any amount of support is helpful thank you to everybody who uh watches who supports Thank you for all the comments, both on YouTube. I see them coming in on YouTube and coming in on Facebook. Um, and so with that, I guess that's the end of this Sunday morning live, as I say at the end of every uh, <laughs> Freeology Friday. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. Uh, genuinely, thank you for your support. Thank you for watching. If you haven't subscribed to my YouTube channel, uh, hit subscribe, hit the like button, put a comment down below. And... Uh, I hope wherever you're at that you are well, that you are blessed, that you will go out and you will be kind and you will be safe. God bless you.